Good morning, Northwest. Hope you guys are doing really well. Some of you have already started school. Some of you are already are getting ready to go to school. So again, we pray for you um, as uh, you jump into that tomorrow. We're continuing that. I want to make sure that you understand that this is only the first part of our service on this Sunday. Because tonight at 5, from 5 to 7, we have a block party. We have sent out over 500 invitations to meet on our property to be able to celebrate all that God is doing and to engage with our neighbors. We want to finish the summer with being salt and light to our neighbors. So from five to seven on the property, we want you to be there. If you have a salt and light t-shirt, we would love for you to wear that. Um, But let's be ready to engage our neighbors. Just hello, say hello to them, meet some new people and have a great time as a family. So from five to seven, pray that you will be there. What I want to do is I want to pray for our night tonight from five to seven. Let's go ahead and and pray that God would use this as an opportunity for us to engage our neighbors uh, during our block party. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to have that piece of property at this time. I want to thank you that plans have been submitted to the town of Cary for hopefully for us to build something very soon. In the meantime, Lord, you know our desire is to be a family of disciples making disciples. And as a family, we want to be salt and light to our neighbors. And today you've given us that opportunity. So I pray for tonight. I pray for an opportunity for us to connect with our community. I pray for us to connect with each other. And I just pray, Lord, your hand would be on tonight, that you would orchestrate everything, that we'd have a great time together celebrating all that you have done. Lord, you are doing something all over the world. You are doing something right here at Northwest Community Church. We thank you for that. We recognize that it is you that is doing what you're doing, bringing people here, raising up disciples, and hearing about the gospel. It is you that is doing that, and we are grateful for it. So we pray for tonight, and we pray that you would be honored and glorified by all that happens, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Parenting. Well, Dana just told me before I got up here that I know why you got this message, because we're the oldest on the staff and most experienced. (laughs) So there are many ups and downs to parenting. Our first is 19 years old. He's a sophomore in college. That blows me away. On January the 29th, 2003, he was born. Seven years after being married and four years after infertility when doctors said you couldn't have any children. God was was right, doctors were wrong. And so here I am sitting in a chair next to my wife who uh, was a long process and she's taking a nap and our newborn son, he's 23 years, 23, 23 hours old. I'm looking at him, and I'm just on the phone. I remember this like it was yesterday, sitting in that chair at Wake Med Carry, and I was on the phone with a guy by the name of Jeff Johnson, one of my friends from the seminary. And I was like, Jeff, this is what I said. I said, long live the rice name. It's a boy. Long live the rice name. My dad's an only child, the rice name. So I was like, man, Andrew, that's 23 hours old. I was still on the phone. I was celebrating. About that time, a team of doctors walked into the, I was on a high. 
I was, the, I was really up. The team of doctors walked into the room. They said, we need to talk to you about your son. We believe that he has a major heart deformity. And we are going to need to take him to Wake Med Raleigh by ambulance right now. That was at 24 hours. 23 hours, man, I was on a high. 24 hours, I was crying like a baby. <laughs> we follow him all the way over to the hospital. They do an ultrasound of his heart, all these kinds of things. They come back and say, hey, the heart's kind of like a nose. Everybody's is different. Actually, his heart's okay. So really, really low and then really, really high. A big down and a big, uh, the swing is unbelievable. So here's what happened. It was so much fun, we decided to have three more. <laughs> In four years. Yeah. Yeah. So four kids in four and a half years. And you can sit there and you can tell you have your stories and I have mine. There's ups and there's downs. There's ups and there's downs. And here we are. We look in spiritual life. There's ups and downs in our spiritual life, right? Up and down. There's ups and downs in our moods. Everybody say amen. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, there's favorite sports teams. There's ups and there's downs. And then even in parenting, like I said, there are some really, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And you know, usually when we parent, we usually use that word a lot with our kids, the word up and the word down. I've got a couple of examples for you here. Get up, wake up. No, you can't stay up. You want me to pick you up? Please pick up your room. You need to, ch you need to shape up. Hey, I need you to look up. Hey, I need you to speed up. Oh my, you look so grown up then there's the downs hey calm down simmer down slow down i need you to shut it down quiet down did you fall down who knocked you down <laughs> hey i need you to bear down you said you wanted me to pick you up and now you want me to put you down hey i need you to cool down ups and downs and so here's what we do right now is we're going to go through the the issue of parenting as we jump into proverbs we've been in proverbs all summer we have one more message next week. Zach Kirby will be speaking, one of our elders, and he'll be leading us next week to close out our summer series in, in Proverbs. We've talked about gossip and the fear of the Lord and wisdom, and now we're going to take a look at parenting. But before we even get there, I think the Holy Spirit has already been working in your life and even through Scott this morning. Scott has been teaching us that we need the Holy Spirit of God to do what we've been called to do. And many of us as parents, grandparents, or future parents or students, what we need to understand is we cannot do this life without the indwelling Holy Spirit that is in us, that gives us the power to be the parents that God wants us to be, to be the disciples that God wants us to be. And many of us have come in here as parents and we're weary and we're tired. And I want you to know that there is a source of power. It is the Holy Spirit of God. The God, the triune God said in, in John 14, it's better that I go away so that I can give you a comforter. I can be in your presence all the time. When we repent and believe, he comes in. And so as you are possibly weary, 
from being a parent or a grandparent or the thought of parenting, I want to encourage you. There is a source of power that is God himself that lives within us so that we might do what he's called us to do. And I don't want you to be weary. I want you to be encouraged by what we're going to talk about because that's available to us. And also want to really, I want us to, to resonate early on in the message with Psalm 127.3, which says that children are a gift from the Lord, for they are a reward from him. The Holy Spirit of God and children are a reward. I want us to begin with those two things to help us to understand, yes, there are ups and there are downs. There's the Holy Spirit of God that gives us the power to be the parents that he wants us to be. And that's what I want us to see. So going on, what I want us to look at right now is I want us to look at Proverbs. If you remember, the book of Proverbs is mainly or, or written by three different people, but really Solomon penned most of it. And Solomon was writing an instruction to his children of how they should live. I mean, here's, here's how you live. So, so in essence, the entire book is really a guide of parenting for our children. It can be used in many different ways. So I want us to take a look at um, several different Proverbs. Some of them will be on the screen. Some of them will, will not. You can jot down if you're taking notes over the ones that are not on the screen. Make a reference of it. And you can read that later. But I do have some things that I want to share with you what I look when I look at Proverbs and the way the Lord allowed me to see the first thing I want us to see is a healthy biblical marriage is critical to raising godly kids a healthy biblical marriage is critical to raising godly kids I asked the staff this week actually it was just Teresa and Gazel what do you think are keys to raising godly children Teresa very quickly said, Jesus and coffee. <laughs> and um, amen, okay? One of the keys, I believe, that what we can learn from, from, from the Proverbs is the key to the health of our marriage is really important to the health of our children and them being disciples as we are partnering together with the spouse that God has given us for his glory to make his name known. And our marriages are radically important. So work with me on uh, Proverbs chapter 5. Here's what Solomon is saying. I don't want you to fall and be tempted by this kind of a woman. I don't want you to be tempted there. So let me just read what it says in Proverbs um, five, one through six, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to me, under, incline your ear to me, understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter wormwood, sharp as a two edged sword. So Solomon is warning his son about this type of person, this type of woman. He's giving him a warning. Here later in the chapter, 
is what he says he wants us to focus on. In chapter 5, verses 18 and 18, it says this, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Then he says, be intoxicated always in her love. So if we're here right now and we look at this scripture, we also look at Proverbs 31.10, and it says an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. And what I believe what's, what, what Proverbs is teaching us or we can apply is saying that biblical parenting and raising godly children is really, really difficult. But what allows that to be more healthy is when the marriage relationship is healthy. And it is critical to our parenting that we are on the same page, that our kids see us and our affection and our love for the one that God brought to us. It brings safety. It brings comfort. It is an oxymoron and not right for us to suggest that I'm a really good dad but a terrible husband. The scripture is, is telling us right now, and all kinds of studies demonstrate the danger there is when the marriage is not unified, when the marriage is not honoring the Lord. And so what I think what we want to see here is we, want, we, we see very quickly that, hey, um, we're learning here that a, that, a, that a dad who loves and cherishes his wife and a wife that loves her man, and they talk about that in front of the kids, and it's obvious to them, that right there is a critical piece to raising godly children. And I, and I think the power of the Holy Spirit can help us. Studies show that that's where a man and where a mom and a dad love care and have deep respect for each other can drastically impact our children for the long haul. Go back to what I said earlier. Maybe, maybe right now, your parenting, maybe our parenting is summarized by being unbelievably weary and tired. Could the cause be that the marriage is not what it can be and should be? And go back to what we said earlier. You have the power of the Holy Spirit that is living in us to help us to be the spouse that God has created you to be. And my question would be is, do you see each other as a gift? Go back to that time you were pursuing her in college or, or you saw him for the first time. Go back there. You cherished, you loved, you pursued. Our spouses are a gift from the Lord. Our children are a gift from the Lord. But our spouses, we are a gift to each other. And there is a great, great lesson that we can learn when we understand that a healthy biblical marriage is critical to raising godly children. I'll never forget this. 
My father-in-law, Phil Qualls, was a pastor for many, many years. Many of you know that. In May he, or March, he went to be with Jesus. And I remember that I've never seen anybody do a baby dedication like Phil Qualls would. And, 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 and he, would, he would look at you, and he would look at me. And on privately, and I remember at our baby dedication with Andrew. And um, it was sitting up on stage, and we're standing there on stage. And he looked at me and he says, Matt, I need to tell you that the greatest way that you can get the heart of your son is to go after the heart of your wife. The greatest way to the heart of your children is to pursue the heart of their mother. I'll never forget that. And I think what, what we learn from here is Solomon is telling us and he's describing us, describing us the kind of relationship that he desires for his sons to have, but the fruit of that relationship is seen in our parenting and in the heritage of the godly legacy that we want to leave. That is possible through the Holy Spirit. So, what is the first thing we learn? A healthy biblical marriage is critical to raising godly children. What's the second thing? There's four of them. Here's, here's the second. I learned this the hard way recently. Discipleship is the goal of parenting, not the NFL. <laughs> not sure you know this about me, but uh, I am uh, an announcer for Panther Creek Athletics, football and basketball. And I need to let you know something. This season, it's gotten a little out of balance in my love for high school football. I'm in it. So I want my boys to be in it as much as I am in it. And both of them are on the team and I'm really proud of them for being on the team. But I wanna tell you, I'm being honest, it's a little out of balance. And I've had to own that before them. One of the things, one of the things that we see right now is that if you look, when we look at these scriptures, there is intention in being involved in things that are eternal. And Solomon is encouraging them, this is your calling. This is your mission field. This is your responsibility. I've given you my spirit. You can't do it in and of yourself. You must be filled with the spirit to be able to disciple and talk about the gospel things at De Deuteronomy says, when you lie down, when you wake up, basically every minute of every day that you're encouraging them, encouraging them and talking about the things of the Lord. Look at Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. Here's what it says. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Here's what he's saying. The father is living in a way that he has something to share with his children. He, let me say, he is a disciple that's being led by the Spirit of God to be able to teach, instruct, and lead their ch his children. So Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. Hear, my son, the, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head. And 
dependence for your neck. Proverbs 4, 1 through 4 says this. Hear, O sons, your fathers, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments, and live. And one more, Proverbs 6, 20 through 21, maybe two more. My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on the heart always. Tie them around your neck. Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. I don't know of a harder job in the world and a harder responsibility and a scarier responsibility than the discipleship of our kids, teaching them. I mean, we work, they go to school, we go to work, we have houses and we have got responsibilities. And when in the world do we find time? When do we find time? And I'm not up here to give you those answers, but I will say this, there's got to be some issues, there's got to be times in our lives where we say no to something to say yes to something better. It has to be. We have to say no to something. It's not that they're going to throw the best spiral. That's not what we're out there for. Or swim the fastest lap or make a viral TikTok video. Although those are funny sometimes. But there is something that needs to take place in the scheme of our lives where we have, uh, where we say no to something to say yes to something else. I, I might get this wrong, but I feel led to, to say, I, Aaron Kiefer and David Amen have fourth and fifth grade boys. And they want to take them away and do something together. And that's coming up. That right there is saying no to something and saying yes to something far greater. And I'm so grateful that our church is a part of doing, taking fourth and fifth grade boys away for 24 hours, decompress and pour the gospel into them as you were going. So I would ask the question, are you making intentional time to talk to your kids about the word of God? What needs to change in your family life so that you might create time or that you might use the time that has been created for gospel conversations with our kids. We have four kids, and it's really difficult to have one-on-one -on -one conversations, and you have to fight for it. Um, one of the things that Dana and I have done, I learned this from Ray and Avery Cook, friends of ours from years ago, probably 25 years. He had four daughters, and every Monday, he would take one out to eat and then drive her to school. So every Monday, he had a different girl. Take her, take her out to eat. Don't take the bus. Take her out to eat for breakfast and then go to school. Gospel conversations. And honestly, I was just trying to fight for time, and you have responsibilities and, and work and all this. And, and, and so we've, we've adopted that where every Monday. Now I got two in college, so the other two right now, they get twice a month. 
I just want to encourage you to figure out, listen, God has given us 24 hours a day. It's not, hey, we don't, we need more time. God's given us that time. What are we doing with the time that he's given, given us so that we can herald the gospel with them? Uh, number three, godly correction is for their good. I don't know if you can read 31 chapters and all of the verses in Proverbs without coming up with discipline or learning about discipline. In Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, it says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. What's, what, what Solomon is teaching and what the scriptures are teaching is that there is a God in heaven who disciplines us in order for them to respond to the discipline of the father. He must discipline, he must, he, he must have discipline in the home and really they need it and want it. Verse uh, 24 of Proverbs 13, 13, 24, it says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline. We discipline not because there is anger, there is love. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to men, but its end is the way to death. And our kids need structure and correction. And the world's agenda is very clear. We're born into the world as sinners. We need to be redeemed. Praise God, he has sent us Jesus so that we might have a relationship with him, be forgiven of our sins, have a relationship, and progressively be sanctified. But the world's agenda is blaring and loud, and it's you're in charge, you're God, there is no consequence for your decision. You are right, you are right all the time, and if someone comes against you, it's their fault, not yours. There is never an ownership of sin. It is always blame. And the scriptures teach us something radically different than that. That godly correction is for their good. Plain and simple, let me put it this way. Say no and mean it. <laughs> Say no and mean it. I remember... Here, here was my, my issue when we were really with young parents because we're so old and mature with college kids now in high school. I remember when the kids were really young, I, I grew up in a situation where the default was no. So as soon as the question was asked, can I, I didn't even listen for it, I said no. I didn't even listen. I wasn't even asking. And I remember being in a situation where cooking dinner the kids are at the table, they're doing, some are doing homework, some are not even in school, and there was questions, and I was just, no, no. And then all of a sudden, Dana says, hey, can you come here? And she brought me around the corner and took me into the bathroom and shut the door, and she says, hey, I'm not sure what's going on right now, but you're saying no for no reason. Like, they just want food. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. 
I just want to eat. No. She said, I, I'm not going to bring it out in front of them, but I'm going to. So we went to the bathroom and I got rebuked. Because why? It didn't matter what the question was. The answer was no. And what I'm saying is that's the, that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. We're trying to say no with a reason to shape hearts, to correct wrong behaviors. I was talking to a guy this morning right before church. He said, it's amazing to be able to see the relationship that my daughter and I have with each other right now. And for her to come and say sorry to me, for me to come say sorry to her, and to realize, hey, that was a tough season. But we've grown through it. And I think he was telling his daughter was recognizing that the reason he was saying what he was saying was because he loved her and he cared for her. And it was for her good. And so sometimes, students, we can come across as old and crusty. Okay? We can. We can do that. But we don't mean to. We love you. And God has given us an encouragement. The scripture is very clear that, hey, we want your hearts to be guided by Jesus. That's what we want. We have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. And so godly correction is for their good. Discipleship is the goal of biblical parenting, not the NFL. And a healthy biblical marriage is critical to raising godly kids. And, and there are so many in Proverbs. Here's one. Here's the last one. Is number four. It's just let's own our sin. Before our kids. Let's own our sin before the father. And let's own our sin before our kids. Because I don't know about you, but I've blown it. And if they're going to recognize that they're a sinner that needs to be repented of and apologized for, it needs to be modeled. I need you to know. I was too loud. I need you to forgive me of that. Because here's what happens if we don't, as parents, own our sin. It affects the entire household. It affects the entire household. And because we're all being cleaned up, and I have four kids, a lot of people, which means there's a lot of sinners and a lot of forgiveness that needs to happen. And the gospel is based on unconditional love and unconditional forgiveness. And critical to our parenting is for all of us, students, parents, for us to own our sin. If we don't, it affects other people. It affects the home. Let me illustrate this for you. Um, there was a season in my life where I had two dogs. Now, there is, a, there is a season in my life where I have two dogs, but I will let you know this, that 10 years ago, I didn't want one dog. I had two. So my father-in-law moved in. He had his dog. His dog is Chewy. Chewy is a Boston Terrier that never barks and is the nicest dog you've ever met in your entire life. And he lived with us. Lucy is our newer dog, and she was a puppy at the time. And Lucy, God bless her, barks a lot. She literally cannot stand David Amon to this day. 
It is, it is nothing David has done. He tried to even take her out one day when I was away on vacation. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, David. Uh, and Lucy barks, and she barks a lot, and Chewy doesn't bark at all. So what we did is we went and we got a bark collar for Lucy. And the bark collar for Lucy is basically if you're barking, it goes off. But it does this. Just please don't judge me. Is that first it will beep. Then it will vibrate, and then it will shock, okay? But there's a transition to it. Lucy had her collar on. She was out on the porch, screening porch. She normally barks and barks incessantly. Neighbors don't like that. I don't like that. This particular day, Lucy with her collar on, Chewy with no collar, Chewy went crazy, he was barking up a storm, and Lucy was over there, uh, 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 getting shot. <laughs> Lucy got lit up. <laughs> listen, listen, because of Chewy's sin. You with me? All right, I want you to know your sin affects your family. Our sin affects our family. And here is the, here's the deal right now. We have a father in heaven says, if you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus, you'll be saved. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You can be saved. But not only that, we can be forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, you can be forgiven. You can have a new day. Maybe right now you are weary in parenting. Maybe you are weary in the marriage and the parenting is not going so well because the marriage is not really going that well. And I'm here to tell you this right now, there's hope. And there's hope and it's hope because there's an empty grave and there's a Jesus who was sitting on the cross and right before he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. He paid for your sin, he paid for my sin and he can pay for sin presently. We can be forgiven. And because we can be forgiven, we have the power to live the life as a godly parent, raising godly kids for his glory, our good, and our kids' good. This can take place. So godly corrections for their good discipleship is a goal of parenting and not the NFL. A healthy biblical marriage is critical to raising godly kids, and we own our sin because why? We're all, listen to me, Picture this day, we're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And we have a God in heaven who desires to empower us to lead godly lives. Sometimes our kids will choose something different. And last fall, mine did. Didn't want one of them, my oldest son. But I'm not really sure I believe this. And then Monday, he called me. 
this, you are not going to believe. How God is moving in my life. You won't believe. The prayers he is answering in my life. So, the spirit of the living God lives in you. And today, because of an empty grave, I want you to have hope. If you're weary in marriage or in parenting, I love you guys. I can't wait to celebrate with you tonight at the land from five to seven. But as we do this together, I can't wait to be able to partner with you and encourage you and continue to encourage you as we use the time that's afforded to us to raise godly children and be godly parents. The king is coming, but until that time, let us honor him with the way we shepherd our kids and let's help each other do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Love you. Let's pray. God, I love you. I thank you. I thank you for um, I thank you for grace and I thank you for life and I thank you for hope. I thank you for joy, the joys of parenting. We thank you for the struggles, the trials, the triumphs, all of that. Thank you for giving us hope. We thank you for giving us grace. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit that we could know you, be loved by you, and raised to walk for you. So I pray for our students. I pray for them as they go to school and have a great year. I pray Jesus would be first in their lives. Pray for our teachers. Pray that you would use them to be salt and light. God, raise up our students to say no to the world's agenda, but to say yes to you. Give them the power to do just that. Whether it's homeschool, Christian school, public school, charter school, whatever the case might be. Use them for your glory and help us to be parents that honor you with all the time that we have to teach our kids about you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.